Hi, everyone. Welcome to Forbes Talks. I'm Diane Brady. I'm here with Dan Alexander, my colleague on the Wealth Team, talking about President Trump's undisclosed debt while in office. Um, it's been sort of ongoing, you know, investigation that you're doing. What have you found? Well, yeah, you know, we've been looking at Donald Trump's debt now really, really closely since 2016 Years. or Years. something like that. Uh, but the latest thing is that on his federal ethics filings when he was president, there were eight loans that didn't show up on those filings. Uh, and they sort of fell into different categories. And some of them were, most of them were legally left off of the filings. Uh, one of them was probably not legally left off of the filings. And the final one, we don't really know that we still need more information to know whether he was breaking the law or just taking advantage of a so loophole. Let's let's go straight to the ones that, what what probably broke the law? Okay, so the one that probably broke the law was the debt that he owed to Michael Cohen. This is his former personal attorney. Stormy Daniels paid debt? Paid Stormy Daniels $130,000 to buy her silence uh, when she was alleging that she had an affair with Donald Trump. Donald Trump at the time had not paid that money back, and so the Office of Government Ethics determined that that was a liability and that it mm -hmm. needed to be disclosed. He ultimately did have to put a footnote in his next year's filing saying basically, oh, yeah, and FYI. this happened last year. Right. Uh, and the Office of Government Ethics also wrote a note to the Department of Justice about it. Of course, at the time, Donald Trump was president <laughs> appointing the attorney general. The Department of Justice didn't seem to do much with it. Yeah. Uh, but so that's the one that's very clear uh, that should have been disclosed and was not. And. The one that's a bit muddy, is that is that the, the Daiwu? That's exactly right, yeah. So while Donald Trump was running for president and then after he took office, he owed money to the South Korean conglomerate called Daiwu. Mm -hmm. And it was $19.8 million while he was running. The first filing that we see once he's in office, it's down to about $4.5 million. Uh, but what we don't know there is whether or not Donald Trump had personally guaranteed that debt. If he had then he had the responsibility and by law would have had to disclose it. If he did not, uh, then he would not legally have to disclose it. Now, the interesting wrinkle here is that regardless of whether or not it was legal or illegal, at the very least, the Trump Organization and Donald Trump were misleading about it. They said that they were disclosing everything that was loans to companies that Donald Trump owned 100% of, mm -hmm. which included this debt, and this debt didn't show up anywhere. So. They might not have broken the law, although they might have, but certainly they misled the public and the press about what his finances were. Well, before we get into the other loans, I mean, you've written a book about this. I mean, this seems to be sort of fit standard operating procedure, right? I mean, is this, did any of this surprise you or is it really part of an ongoing narrative? I think that the surprising thing was that after so much time uh, that, you know, I've spent pouring over all these financials and that plenty of other people have as well, uh, that there still was a debt, the Daiwu one, this $20 million loan that nobody knew about. And it existed while he was running and while he was in office. The fact that he had other undisclosed loans was less surprising to me. Uh, it was I didn't know until about a week ago that he had lent a bunch of money to his children uh, so that was was new information, uh, but not that surprising that their finances are all intermingling. But yeah, it is consistent with you know Donald Trump and the way he does business, and the fact that we're constantly finding new information, right. and you turn over any rock, and you're bound to find 
something underneath it. The, the loans to the kids, I mean, on, on the sort of grand scheme of things, the person who uh, borrowed the most, it appears, is Eric Trump. Right. Right. And then we've got that's two million. Ivanka's one point five million. We've got Donald Jr. at one million. Um, did that get disclosed through the trial recently or how did you find that out? Yeah. So and I will say on the Eric Trump thing, just so we're clear. So Don Jr. actually borrowed twice from his dad. If you add oh. those up then they get to a higher level than Eric, but only barely, only barely. So, you know, we we have to be careful here. But yes. So what happened is uh, the New York attorney general, of course, is suing Donald Trump for a quarter of a billion dollars. And as part of that lawsuit, it all centers around Donald Trump's basically his balance sheets. Mm -hmm. And so they've released not just his own personal balance sheets, but also the underlying documents for those personal balance sheets, which is really interesting because you can start to see some of the math that the Trump organization used to get to some of these wild valuations that they were uh, telling their lenders and their insurers that their properties should be worth. But you can also see a much more detailed breakdown of different categories, different things that they had. And so that's, yeah, that's where you could see these loans to his children that uh, because of loopholes that allow officials to not have to disclose loans to their immediate family, uh, he never disclosed on any of his financial disclosure reports as president, uh, yet were around the entire time. Should he have? I mean, I'm curious, you know, in a situation like that, we currently have President Biden. I don't know if he lent money to Hunter Biden, but is that the kind of thing that normally a president should disclose? Well, I think, you know, the question of uh, should is that leaves a lot of uh, open to interpretation. But what are the legally, arguments for? legally, they don't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, the argument for why they don't have to is let's say that somebody, you know, has a, you know, a brother or a sister or a mother or a father or whatever who's fallen on hard times and uh, needs a couple thousand bucks to make it through. Just because the person who's lending the money happens to be in office, do we really need it to be public information yeah. that this person has fallen on a hard time? So that's that's the argument and the reason why why you don't have to disclose that. Now, the counter argument to that is if you look at both the Biden administration and the Trump administration, there's been a whole lot of talk about family finances and particularly mm-hmm. about the relationship between the finances of children and the sitting president. That was true in the Trump years, and it's certainly true in the Biden years. And the fact that there's this exception that means that you don't actually really have to explain what that financial relationship is mm-hmm. means that there could be uh, certainly you know, major conflicts that are sort of undisclosed and flying below the radar because uh, the way that these disclosure laws are written. So are the laws being changed because, um, you know, obviously ethics filings are something that evolve over time as new ethical dilemmas come up. Are we likely to see the next administration face perhaps a stiffer or more extensive list of requirements than Donald Trump did? Well, certainly two years ago, there was a lot of expectation that there would be a big change. You know, the the current ethics regime sort of uh, took hold after Watergate. And so a lot of people who focus on this area of government ethics said, okay, the Trump administration, basically that was another Watergate. And this is going to be a chance where we can see all of these areas where the laws are weak and we can fix them and change it. And uh, then that ran into political realities. So um, the Democrats had a heck of a time trying to pass any ethics reform over the last couple of years. And of course, they just lost the House of Representatives. Mm -hmm. So 
Um, I think that it's very unlikely that there will be significant legal changes, at least in the next two years. Uh, and going forward from then, you never know. You know, the, the big um, focus right now from an ethics perspective seems to be on limiting congressional stock trading. Uh, there seems to be a lot more mo political momentum behind right. that. Um, then tying up some of these loopholes in the executive branch. Uh, but certainly things could change over time. So how unusual is Donald Trump in this respect? I mean, have there been other cases of presidents who we discover did not disclose relevant information after the fact? Uh, there, there are a lot of um, questions about presidential finances, high-ranking people's finances. Uh, you know, we did... Um, deep reporting on Hillary Clinton's finances that left a lot of n not just, you know, forget the foundation stuff and all of those, you know, mm -hmm. but, but legitimate questions about they had taken in about $240 million in earnings and they were showing a net worth that was uh, very little compared to that. And so it left question, well, where did this money go? And those were legitimate questions that didn't add up. Mm -hmm. Um if you look at Obama's, those those were pretty simple. He was an author who sold a lot of books and put things in broad-based diversified funds. So that was pretty easy. Uh, Biden's finances do raise questions. Similar to Hillary Clinton, uh, he earned a significant amount of money out of office. I think that the earnings were about $17 million. If you look at his- Not all speeches. Not all speeches, although some, uh, but similar to the Clintons, a lot from writing. Um, mm -hmm. the Clintons, most of it was speeches and some from writing his was sort of flipped. Um, but the, similar to the Clintons, he had, you know, larger earnings than he had holdings. And so you wonder, okay, well, where did that money actually go? Uh, so everybody's got, got questions and, and, um, there are always, uh, the politicians themselves are generally hesitant to reveal more than they have to. Yeah. Uh, they say what they have to legally and then they just sort of say, OK, I've, you know, I've let you see enough. Um, but certainly, yes, questions for everybody. Donald Trump was a different animal. Um, yeah. You know, this is well going into office. What he chose to disclose in the first place is tax returns. You know, absolutely that the fact that he held on to, you know, billions of dollars worth of assets that he knew what they were, that they weren't broad based diversified funds. You know, he had thousands of potential conflicts of interest. They were coming through in every which way. It was a totally different thing uh, than we had have seen in, in the recent past. So where does he stand today? Because, um, we, you know, he's in terms of his net wealth, one of the things that intrigues people is his Twitter account is sort of cryogenically frozen from January 6th, or I guess not January 6th, but late January, um, in part because he seems very financially wedded to Truth Social. Can you give us some sense of what the picture looks like now? Yeah, I mean, you know, Donald Trump's business uh, sort of was stalled out. Um, his net worth right now, we estimate at $3.2 billion. Of that, we have about $730 million of that as the Trump Media and Technology Group, which is the parent company mm -hmm. of Truth Social. So, and Truth Social is super volatile. We don't know if in a year or two, that $730 million is going to be zero or whether it's going to be $2 billion. And if you told me, in, hey, we just fast forwarded two years and one of those things happened, I wouldn't be surprised by either of those. Mm -hmm. So as a result, if you're sitting on such a volatile asset that, by the way, is the largest asset in his portfolio right now, 
And of course, Donald Trump wants to do everything to make that asset as valuable as he can. And the most valuable thing to Truth Social is to have Donald oh, Trump. Trump talking because right. that's the only reason right. that you and I right now are talking about it. That's the only reason that you see headlines about it all the time. That's the only reason that anybody cares what Truth Social is. Otherwise, it would just be another one of these forgettable, you know, conservative platforms that nobody cares about or knows. It. It'd be Getter or Parler or whatever. Right. right. Um, but instead, it it does have the potential to be big. And certainly, I'd be very surprised to see Donald Trump uh, go back onto Twitter in full force because of his huge financial stake in the results of True Social. Great. Thanks, yeah. Dan. Thank you.